It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. The Dolphins made arguably the biggest splash on deadline day. After trading away a few defensive players, the Bears acquired a receiver. But did it cost too much? And the Brooklyn Nets are doing some things, but none of the moves are really making a lot of sense. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. And the most historic trade deadline in terms of moves that we've seen in the NFL could not pass without the Miami Dolphins making a move. They send out yet another first round pick and they have the first round picks to send for pass rusher Bradley Chubb with the Broncos in a deal that also involves Chase Edmonds and day three picks and... They brought the band back together with Mike McDaniels and Jeff Wilson running back from the 49ers. They love stars in Miami. So who better to talk with about this than our star with the Miami Dolphins, Locked On Dolphins host, Kyle Krabs. And and Kyle, this is now, they got this haul for Trey Lance, three first round picks, Jalen Waddell, Tyree Kill, and Bradley Chubb. What hole does Bradley Chubb fill for this Miami team? I I think the biggest thing, that the Dolphins are going to be looking for from Bradley Chubb is a complimentary pass rusher off the edge to Jalen Phillips, uh, one of the the first-round picks from the 2021 draft who had nine sacks as a rookie. He's been phenomenal this year. He's top 10 in ESPN's pass rush win rate. He's top 10 in PFF credited pressures across the the, uh, entire NFL. But the rest of the rush group for Miami, and they've endured a lot of injuries in the secondary through the first half of the season. It's made them change the DNA of how they call a defense and how they play. It's a lot more zone heavy than what we're used to seeing from this team. And as a result, you got to have guys who can win organically up front and feel like you can rush four players and get home. It was, are they going to go out and get another corner? Do you believe Byron Jones, who's on the PUP, is going to be back? Well, The messaging has been consistent. They believe at some point they will get Byron Jones back. And that's what's pretty exciting is if and when he does come back, this front that is now much more tailored to play zone defense, now you can play man behind that as well. And it really gives you the chance to not be so blitz dependent to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks, which this Dolphins team has been. But that takes bodies out of zone coverage and therefore there's easier throws for quarterbacks to find and avoid those pressure situations. Yeah, the Dolphins have a pressured opposing quarterbacks, 22% of dropbacks this season, according to ESPN Stats and Info. That was the fourth lowest rate in the NFL. So offensively, we've seen what this team can do when, when they allow their playmakers to go to work. Tyree Kill on a historic pace this mm-hmm. season. Um, but the defense, as you mentioned, has had some issues with fit, with trying to find the perfect way to play. What kind of Floor raiser and ceiling raiser can Bradley Chubb be? How much better can they be with him in the fold? 
Yeah, I think at a minimum, he's another very good presence on the edge for a team that their one bright spot has been defending the run. And to have another body in that group, another 270-pound player like a Jalen Phillips, who's dramatically improved this year against the run, to have that set on both sides. And you got Emmanuel Akba back this past week from a back injury, and he's at his best when he's kind of reduced inside shade on offensive tackles anyway. So that it, it gives you a really, really formidable front five to be able to work with. And with the, the issues that you have with the secondary, I would imagine you're probably going to see them play a little bit more four-man front. Three linebackers get Duke Riley more snaps as a linebacker who can actually play in coverage and then play some more uh, four-man defensive back sets. And that ability and confidence to win up front against both the run and the pass keeps that floor against the run, which has been one of the stabilizing pieces of the defense. But again, from a ceiling perspective and that organic pass rush, I mean, he, he's winning uh, 25% of defeating 25% of his blocks in less than two and a half seconds. And for Miami, the last three weeks, Jalen Phillips has bested the NFL average, according to next gen stats of 4.35 yards within the quarterback. Uh, at the time of the release of the ball, but no other Dolphins defender over the last three weeks has bested NFL average once. Stay up to date all year on the Miami Dolphins by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Dolphins podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Bears made a move to help Justin Fields, but did they pay too much? If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your gambling needs. Hoops tonight, a few interesting games, and eh, maybe a blowout. Hawks Kings figures to be pretty interesting. Bet Online likes the Knicks at home by a point and a half. Also, in the interesting category, a trip to L.A. for Zion Williamson and the Pelicans as they take on LeBron and the Lakers. Bet Online likes New Orleans as road favorites despite no Brandon Ingram. They are two-and-a-half-point favorites. The blowout looks like it will be in Milwaukee as the Bucks host the Detroit Pistons. Bet Online has Giannis and company favored by 11. They did just beat the Pistons. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. On a very busy deadline day, the Minnesota Vikings got Kirk Cousins a game-breaker in the red zone. Y'all wanted a splash move at the deadline? You got it. Vikings trade for TJ Hawkinson, stud tight end out of Detroit, former Iowa top 10 overall pick. In exchange, they give a second-round pick next year and a third-round pick the year after that. And they also get back fourth round picks in each year. One of them can turn into a fifth if they win a playoff game this year. So conditional. If you want to add all that stuff up on a trade chart, um, depending on which one you use and depending on how the condition goes, um, that's like a late third, early fourth in total for TJ Hawkinson. So you can think of the trade as they traded like a compensatory third round pick for TJ Hawkinson. Do you think that would be worth it? I think that that's way too cheap. I have no idea how the Lions let the Vikings do this, honestly. And that's part of why I'm getting 
Um, they also have the fifth-year option for TJ Hawkinson next year. He's going to play on it. It's like nine-ish million dollars, and they can extend him out of it if they want. They can use that as sort of a negotiating ground. It's a really great position for the Vikings to be in. But more important than any of this, TJ Hawkinson's good at football. He's a dynamic blocker. You may remember a clip from him destroying Aiden Hutchinson in hard knocks in a uh, sequence that was supposed to be about how good Aiden Hutchinson was. And he can catch, he can run routes, he can do all of that stuff. He's a very balanced package. Um, if you compare that to somebody like Ben Ellefson or Mike Gesicki that can like do one thing but can't really do all of it, they're always going to be a, a little bit more limited in how you can use them. That doesn't apply to TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson can be our starting tight end for as long as the Vikings want him to be. And for what they paid for that, that is just, I think that's just running away with a profit. And that rocks. I'm going to break this down in way more detail on Locked On Vikings so you can find it there, free and available on all platforms. For more on that conversation, check us out on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. The Jacksonville Jaguars made a strange move in that the player they traded for is not going to play this season. The Jaguars add wide receiver help. I'm Tony Wiggins with Locked On Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars made a trade with the Atlanta Falcons and got suspended wide receiver Calvin Ridley for two conditional draft choices, one in 2023 that could be as high as a fifth, and one if the Jaguars are able to sign Calvin Ridley to a long-term deal, it would be a two in 2024. This is the only way they were going to add somebody, man, because they're not trying to spend and give up the kind of capital that's required to get uh, a wide receiver one from somewhere else. And it's a good thing for the Jaguars' future. They ain't going to help them this year. They probably don't want any help this year because it'll mess up their draft choice. So Calvin Ridley in 2024 will be catching passes from Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. After trading away Chase Claypool, the Pittsburgh Steelers made a trade to add to their defense by acquiring William Jackson III from the Washington Commanders. I'm Chris Carter of the Locked On Steelers podcast, and I'm here again outside the Steelers practice facility on the south side of Pittsburgh. And the Steelers have made another trade. According to Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, the Steelers have traded to get William Jackson III, a cornerback the Steelers wanted in the first round many years ago in 2016 when the Bengals traded up ahead of the Steelers to get him. Instead of them getting him, they ended up with Artie Burns, and we all know how that worked out. This will be their chance to beef up the secondary even more. He's a guy that's fought in one-on-one coverage. This year, he's allowed two touchdowns. He doesn't have an interception on his record, but he's been up and down in the NFL. I think what this is is another attempt for the Steelers to see, hey, how does this veteran fit into our scheme? How do they work with the rest of our vets? You still have Cam Sutton, Levi Wallace, still recovering from 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 an injury that had him miss the last game. But now you get another veteran that you can throw into the mix and see how he works out. Well, again, we'll talk more about this on the Lockdown Steelers podcast, but it's clear. The Steelers making lots of moves at the trade deadline. One, getting away Chase Claypool for a second round pick that will help them on the draft day in the upcoming year. Then two, getting William Jackson III to address the cornerback problem that they had and then we saw uh, taken advantage of by the Eagles. Uh, on Sunday. Following up on what Chris said, the Steelers trade with the Commanders involves a conditional sixth round pick in 2025 being swapped for a conditional 2025 seventh round pick. For more info on all of Deadline Day, a historically active NFL Deadline Day, check out the Locked On NFL YouTube page or the Locked On NFL podcast wherever you get podcasts. And the Philadelphia Phillies hosted their first World Series game since 2009 as they faced the Astros in game three. Well, Philadelphia Phillies are up 
two to one in the World Series. Connor Thomas, your host of Locked On Phillies, and it was a homework party at Citizens Bank Park. All these guys were here for it, and uh, vibes couldn't be higher for Philadelphia right now. I don't know if Lance McCullers was tipping pitches or not, but all I know is a worse pitcher is going tomorrow night for Houston. A better pitcher is going tomorrow night for Philly, and the only way to beat this team is taking a game in Philadelphia. I don't know that any team on the planet is capable of that with the way this team is playing. You get Nola, you probably get Wheeler in game five, and there was a path to a five-game Philadelphia Phillies World Series win. Feeling pretty good right now. And uh, you'll hear more about it on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Phillies. Here is another story you need to know. After the Chicago Bears traded Roquan Smith to the Baltimore Ravens, it was easy to think that this team was selling. Then the Tuesday NFL trade deadline came around, and lo and behold, they give up a second-round pick for Pittsburgh Steelers receiver Chase Claypool that many thought was headed to a contending team. And maybe the Bears think they are that. Joining me now from Locked on Bears, Lauren Cox. Lauren, I know you don't think that they think that, but why make this move if you're the Bears? It's been no secret that the Bears are short on wide receiver talent, but clearly I think a trade like this is not as much for 2022, but it's 2023 and perhaps long-term if you work out a deal with Chase Claypool to keep him around. This is about getting a young, still I think ascending wide receiver that hasn't panned out fully in Pittsburgh and maybe a change of scenery, a different offensive system can help the Bears get a little bit more out of him in the process. And really it's this first positive building step towards building around Justin Fields, adding to the talent around him as opposed to continuing to subtract it. How much do you think the last two weeks played into a move like this? They go out and they beat the Patriots. They score 33 points. And then last week against Dallas, they, I don't want to say they hung in that game, but they at least made it interesting at times. They put up 29 points and Justin Fields in an offense that is now featuring his legs a little bit more seems to have found some rhythm, found some confidence. Do you think this is different if the last two weeks are sort of more of the same with what we saw from Justin Fields, where it's like, okay, it's a slog to get to 150 yards passing? I Yeah, I can't imagine they would be as brazen about this type of significant investment in a receiver around him had there still been these bigger lingering question marks. Not that everything has been figured out with, with two really solid games from him, but it's sort of that proof of concept that you're like, okay, like they can at least see that that this this can work, like you can get this to work in a way that looks incredibly productive. And this is a way for them to say, all right, let's let's add to that. Let's see if we can add a little bit of fuel to this fire before we get to this offseason when a quarterback decision was likely going to have to be made with the Bears potentially picking in the top 10 or even possibly the top five of this upcoming NFL draft. If they feel like the rest of this season can be that solidifying answer on Justin Fields by adding a wide receiver like Claypool and seeing if Claypool can be a long-term piece. All of a sudden you have a quarterback, a couple of receivers and some young running backs. You, you have the foundational pieces for an offense entering an offseason when you have a ton of cap space and still some extra draft picks you're working with. This will be framed as a trade that the Bears made that was basically Chase Claypool for Roquan Smith. And then that extra fifth rounder in there. And from that standpoint, you go, okay, well, you've got an all pro linebacker and you've got a nice young receiver. That value doesn't quite seem to add up. The difference of course is Roquan Smith does not catch passes from Justin Fields who the team had previously, although a different administration invested significant assets into, and you have to pay Roquan Smith like now. And if that was not all enough, this is a guy who wanted out 
in the summer. And so you're moving on from a disgruntled player to get Claypool in. Does Claypool have to be a long-term piece for this to make sense? Or can sort of helping the Justin Fields evaluation process be enough to justify this for a team that has the extra pick now? Yeah, there's no doubt that, you know, it's it's a lot to give up for Claypool and that it, it does feel like an overpay based on what the wide receiver market seemed to be and some of the players in the upcoming draft at wide receiver that, that you're going to like. But yeah, I, I think I think it doesn't necessarily have to be contingent on a long-term deal, but that's why you make it in the first place, right? Like if if Claypool doesn't work out in Chicago, you know, next offseason, you could get uh, potentially a higher compensatory pick back for him to make up some of the loss of what you gave up in the second round pick to go and get him. So it's not like it's a complete sunk cost a couple of off seasons from now, but I, I think there's clearly that faith that he could be a difference maker in this offense and that he could be someone that is that long-term piece, especially when you pair him with some of his college teammates in Chicago, Cole Komet, Sam Mustafa, a few other Notre Dame fighting Irish in here that maybe can help get him a little bit more back on track, get that buy-in in this bears offense and start to move things forward. But I, I don't think the Claypool trade happens if the Roquan Smith trade doesn't happen because they got that mm. extra second round pick to make this price tag a little bit more palatable for the deal. Stay up to date all year on the Chicago Bears in a season that just got a lot more interesting by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Bears podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, what is going on with the Brooklyn Nets? If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. On an absolutely wild day in the NFL, trade deadline day, the NBA still managed to find a way to steal headlines and surprise, surprise, it was drama with the Brooklyn Nets. Steve Nash out as head coach within a few hours. The reporting that former Boston Celtics coach and currently suspended Ime Udoka is going to be the Nets head coach. So joining me now from Locked On Nets, our resident expert, Adam Armbrecht, on all things drama. Uh, Adam, this is... I, it's, it's hard to even know where to start. I guess let's start with the Steve Nash of it all. Why, after Kevin Durant reportedly wanted Steve Nash out in the offseason, bring him back, go through this whole thing, and then after less than 10 games, move on? Yeah, I don't love the look of that aspect of it just because um, what, what essentially it looks like is Kevin Durant came in, made a demand. The organization said, well, we'll honor that but we can't honor it immediately because that would make it look like we are capitulating to what our superstar wants. So let's get into the season. Let's get seven games under our belt and then we'll make that move. Um, it doesn't mean that it's the wrong decision. You know, Steve Nash, while having a winning record, obviously has been under scrutiny as the Brooklyn Nets head coach since he took the position. And ultimately when you start out sluggish, like the Brooklyn Nets did, you don't fire the players. You start by firing the coaches and trying to make an adjustment there to salvage this era of the Brooklyn Nets. Okay, so then 
I would normally ask you, well, now what for the Brooklyn Nets? Except we know now what it's going to be, by all accounts, Ime Udoka coming over from the Boston Celtics. I think what is troubling for me, Adam, is the Celtics apparently spent a long time investigating what happened there. It doesn't seem like the Brooklyn Nets would have had the same opportunity to do all of that, although they were given permission to speak to Udoka as part of um, all of this. What do you make of, we'll talk about the basketball in a second, but just the the sort of, for lack of a better word, the ickiness of the way this all played out. Yeah, I don't love it. I mean, I'll be honest with you, right? We're, we're right on the heels of Kyrie Irving and the issues that he's having off the court and mm. promoting anti-Semitic material online and doubling down in in his belief that he should be able to do that. And by the way, freedom of speech is 100% something that everybody has, but there is an impact and ramification for those words. Um, and we haven't seen what that ultimate outcome is going to be. We didn't see anything to this point from the organization um, in terms of disciplining Kyrie Irving. Now, with M.A. Doka, there's, there's no question around, as we'll talk about the basketball side of things for him this past season. However, to see one organization say this is a, a, a action and a personality that we are not willing to go forward with in spite of the track record of success – and the Brooklyn Nets were willing to, or seemingly are willing to, jump in with both feet. We know that he did uh, and was on the coaching staff with the Brooklyn Nets prior to taking the job with Boston, so there are ties and connections there. I am completely comfortable with people getting second chances. I, I don't know if, if at this point the Brooklyn Nets look at it and say, we're about as low as we could get right now. If we're going to give someone a second chance and someone that we know, we might as well take the PR hit now because doing it six months from now, a year from now, we can't sustain any more of this. So take the blowback now and let's move forward. It doesn't mean that I'm a fan of it away from basketball. And finally, the first version of the college football playoff rankings have been released and they are guaranteed to be completely different next week because Tennessee made its first ever appearance in the top four as they took the number one spot, Ohio State number two, Georgia number three, and Clemson is number four. Forget for the moment that three of those teams seem to always be in the top four. One of Tennessee or Georgia will probably not be ranked in the same spot next week as both teams. Well, they play each other. It's just like they say, rankings were meant to be broken. They say that, right? <laughs> Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on tomorrow's show, Houston didn't sweep the World Series. Are they still good? So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on sports today. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.